We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at you Monday morning. It's January 9th, and I am joined as I am every Monday morning by Wolves beat writer Chris Hine, who is was in Houston on Sunday night for the Wolves Rockets game, and somehow it's it's 9 a.m. and he is already in Detroit for the, the Wolves next game, which isn't till Wednesday, but I guess Chris, you just really wanted to scurry from houston to detroit I, have you slept um barely um yeah you know there was a 5 20 a.m flight that was significantly cheaper than all the other flights going from houston to detroit so you know when you're on a newspaper budget you have to do them a solid every once in a while and and go with that cheaper flight i was looking into switching it you know to later in the day because Delta, you can do same day switches yeah. um, with status. Um, but then I got a first class upgrade, so I was like, you know what? We're sticking with <laughs> we're sticking with five twenty. So hey, just it, get me there. I'll deal with it later. Yeah. The five twenty a.m. So that's the last the life on the road. That's life on the road. Yep. I actually think that now is good perspective. Before I crash for several hours, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, let, let's just, you were, you were there in, in Houston last night. So let's yep. just kind of start by talking about the end of the game or, or after the game, uh, as I, you know, I, I mentioned on, on Twitter last night, uh, because you're going to be traveling more here in the second half of the season, I won't be able to be giving as many like post game quotes and stuff like that, just, uh, out on Twitter. Cause we aren't having those zooms anymore. So, if, you know, if I'm not on the road, if Chris isn't on the road, you know, we, we can't tell you about what happened um, after the game. So I can't tell you about that. Chris was there. Um, it was a win. So, you know, I can kind of picture it in my head that, like, the win trumps kind of maybe the, the slow first half that, that this team had. Can you just kind of a uh, little bit peel the curtain back for us, what it was like in the locker room and just sort of the, the overall vibe after that win in Houston on Sunday night? Yeah, so... Anytime I've, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but anytime an NBA team gets a win, the locker room is a happy place to be. It doesn't matter if they've beaten the best team in the league or they've beaten the Rockets. Mm-hmm. Um, they were pretty happy with themselves after getting a win. Um, it's not like it's a, uh, oh, we should have beaten them by 25, so we're going to act all disappointed and angry that we didn't win by more. No, they were happy. They were a lot of talking, a lot of, a lot of chatter. Ant was really happy, as you can imagine. You know, he's talking and, and his, his, his usual outgoing self after a win. And yeah, that's 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 the mood. That's the that's the vibe. So fourth straight win, and you want this team, I think, to feel good about itself and have that confidence, especially after the the dreary week they had or two weeks they had when they lost six in a row, yeah. and you know all that all that came along with that. So. You know, kind of a night and day flip uh, from you know just over a week ago when they had that that bad loss to Detroit, and now they get to try and rectify that against Detroit just a short time later, mm-hmm. um, and we'll see what happens because right now they're starting to stack wins, 
and you know as we will talk about move up the western conference standings a little bit did anybody talk about that did any of the players talk about that like the, the this concept that yes we did lose six in a row but now we've won four in a row and we are kind of moving up the the playoff ladder and because i remember just like austin has talked a lot austin rivers has talked a lot throughout the season about how like like literally this he's like okay yes we aren't meeting expectations but if we win three four five in a row we find ourselves you know right back in the actual playoff playoffs like what did that come up at all last night it didn't no and that's because frankly i just didn't ask about it <laughs> way to go um so i know right i uh, i failed um no, it didn't, it didn't come up. Um, but, you know, I think in the back of their minds, they know what to do. And, and we see it in the Western Conference. Yeah. There's a lot of teams struggling right now. I was talking with somebody last night um, at the arena and an, another writer, uh, Jonathan Fagan from the Houston Rockets. I brought up this, this from the Houston Chronicle, sorry. And I, I brought up this point to him. I'm like, how many fan bases out there do you think are truly happy in the Western Conference with where their team is at right now. Yeah. And it's like, what, maybe three or four? Right. You look at you. There's not many that, that like, if you go down the Twitter uh, rabbit hole of the various fan bases, sure. that they're going to be like, yeah, this is great. The season is going great. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Wolves are obviously right in that mix. Um, so I, it's there. It's there for the taking. Uh, I, I think the schedule does lighten up a little bit. Maybe it's for just, sure just a smidge. Um, I mean, I know there's two more games against the Rockets coming up on the schedule. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, you've it's got essentially the, you've got game against Detroit. Super easy. Yeah. So Wednesday's at Detroit, and then the next three are tougher. It's Suns, Cavs, Jazz, but those are all at home. And the Suns are without Booker. I mean, they, I think they've lost six straight. The Cavs are good. That'll be tough. At least it's at home. And then on Martin Luther King Day, they they play the Jazz, who have also like are very much not this like playing at the same level that you know that they were when they played the Wolves earlier in the season. Then you head to Denver, you know. So yes, like it, it's not like you're not playing the Rockets and and the Pistons the whole time. Actually, hold on, I didn't even get to it. Yeah, then it's Nuggets, Raptors, then Rockets, Rockets again. So yeah, you, you yeah. I remember you said this to me. Um, before the the last home game and you were like hey they they play the rockets or the pistons four of the next time four of the next nine yeah. games on the schedule yep. and that was honestly for me the first time i'd really thought about like this idea of kind of being able to get back up into that 678 sort of spot in in the standings which were i mean we don't normally do like standings watch on here. I just think it is relevant actually for this team right now. One, we're at the halfway point of the season, exactly 20 yep. and 21. And, and two, it's like that will really determine what we think about this season. I think whether or not it is like, even just the difference between them getting the sixth seed versus the eighth seed, which might just be one or two wins. Like, I think that will, will, will really frame the way, we see and and think about this season once it's once playoffs do come around. Yeah, and and I've said this all along, and we've talked about it too. Where you look at just the landscape of the standings, and it's like if they could just put together two good weeks, yeah, yeah, you know, they're they're right back in the mix of six, five, four, what what have you, and you know if they can keep this up for another another week or so, another week or two, mm-hmm. you know they could be in fifth place or fourth place by the time, you know, we do this two weeks from now or, or something like that. It, it's, it really is there for the taking. I mean, I, now the natural tendency is to like, you know, look back and, and harp on all the missed opportunities that they had on the yeah, schedule, right. but that, you know, it, it is what it is at this point and you just got to move forward um, because it is a long season. It's only half, halfway done and the way in a lot of ways and, yeah, if they're if they're finding something now, this is this is the time to make a move. And like you said, the next two weeks, whatever happens over the next two weeks, you take advantage of that opportunity, and then you're probably looking at you know two more weeks, and you know maybe Carl's back in the mix by then, and maybe J Mac. I mean, we don't know exactly timetables on that stuff, and you know, knock on wood, whatever. Maybe somebody else does get hurt over the course of the month. That just kind of naturally comes with the flow of this. But I also find myself thinking about 
how this team is getting healthier now. They're kind of moving in the, the opposite direction of a, a lot of those other teams who are bunched up sort of 6-10, to 10, who seem like they have players who are just kind of made their way to the injury list and and are doing that. So, which is all to say, you know, we're, we're not framing this up to be like, okay, they're for sure going to go 10-2 and two in their next 12 games. It's just, to me, I would say, this is the... This is the time for not only what they look like in terms of injuries, but in terms of what they look like on the floor. This is the first time this season where I can really buy into the idea <clears throat> that they might be a team who can go on that type of run. Like, I don't know. We'll talk about we'll talk about the first half that was wasn't encouraging last night, but but broadly, this is this has to be the most you've believed in this team thus far this season, right, Chris? Yeah, I, w- I would say so, and I think I had to really because... yank that out of you. I had to yank that out of you. You're like, ah, yeah, no. so I was, I was, I was on mute there because there was a very loud construction vehicle coming through the window. Um, that was not hesitation on my part. Okay, um, <laughs> I, like, just want, I just thought you were like, sure Dane, you're really going to make me say this? <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I mean, I, I still, I still have my questions about this mm-hmm. team for sure. I mean, I still don't think the rebounding is issues are solved mm-hmm. i think they've been glossed over papered over a little bit in this win streak here yeah. um you know i still think you know they did show up on a sunday against the rockets and think that they were just going to walk out of there with an easy win mm-hmm. that's you know that's been a constant problem for this team but I, i've noticed a difference in the last couple of games and i think we all have in, in rudy gobert um yeah, And one of the things that I was asking him about last night, asking some of the other guys about, he was very deliberate on Friday night about repeating the, the phrase, I need to be a tone setter. Mm-hmm. That was a, a, a constant theme of what he said. So I think he's, he's trying to take it upon himself to, to bring some of this energy to, to, you know, dunk with authority, to make blocks, uh, to, <laughs> just defend really hard and really well um, because he wants other guys to follow suit and uh, people like Anthony Edwards uh, and, you know, Kyle Anderson uh, said that they feed off of that, that it brings them a lot of energy. Um, I thought Torian Prince had an interesting quote about that. I, I threw that in my, uh, in my game story today. Um, I, I asked Prince about it and he, you know, I said, what is it like when Rudy is trying to be this kind of tone setter for you guys? And, and Torian said, I would love it personally. I know the guys would appreciate it as well. Another guy to bring the tone, set the tone, whether it's hard fouls, protecting the rim and doing what he does best. I just thought it was an interesting way to phrase it at the beginning of that. I, I, did yeah, I would love I it that, personally. Yeah. And I know the guys would appreciate it as well. <laughs> so I, I just thought that was an interesting way of, of framing it. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of had been thinking about that even before the Houston game and just kind of, yeah, like the authority or tone that, that Rudy you know played with even in that you know 25 and 21 game. It's like, again, this is just me imagining, you know, being in his head, but you just kind of think about the last week, right? And, and they have the players only meeting after the loss to Detroit. And, and I don't think and Rudy isn't like, I think it's safe to say, or, that Rudy wasn't probably the guy leading that players only meeting, like yelling at everyone. We got to go do this and this and this, you know, I think that came from different voices in that locker room. But again, this is just me thinking about this in my head. I think Rudy probably leaves that meeting and goes, all right, this team does need a little bit more authority, a little bit more tone. How can I bring that? If I'm not the rah, rah guy, what I can do and this is what it looked has looked like over the past week is he goes, I can be that authority. I can be that tone setter. I just wonder in my head if that Detroit game kind of was a signal to him that like, hey, I got to go now. I got to I got to I got to do this now. Everyone is turning up their accountability from the coach to the starters to the bench. Like, what can I do? <clears throat> and I feel like I've seen I feel like I've seen that from Rudy, like as much as we've talked about what Rudy hasn't been this year, I think this last week we should acknowledge that Rudy has been a tone setter for this team and a team that's on a, a four game winning streak. I, I guess I'm just saying that doesn't seem just like an aspiration from Rudy. He has kind of been doing that of late. Agreed. And I saw in Houston, you're kind of seated by the bench. It's very similar seating to what we had at, yeah. at target center. In I've previous been there before. Year, I so that. Yep. 
Yeah, so, I, so I'm sitting behind the bench, and so the bench is in full view as I'm watching the game last night. And when Rudy's having some of those put-back dunks, you can it gets the bench going. Like yeah. the, the bench gets up. Guys are – they're especially – I noticed a couple guys like flexing after he gets these put-back <laughs> dunks. You know, just right. – they're having fun with it. So, like, they do respond mm-hmm. to, to when Rudy does stuff like that out there. And it definitely provided – a, a jolt of energy on, on a number of occasions. Um, so it, it's something that they're noticing, something that, that he's noticed. And, and I think it's, it's one of the more positive developments for this team over the last week is, is him stepping it up in that department. Chris, let me grab a break here. Uh, be back. I want to ask you about what, uh, what Finch's perspective was about the loss. Today's show is sponsored by Falling Knife Brewing Company in Northeast Minneapolis. And I first wanted to thank those of you who came out on Thursday night to listen to the live show with Britt and myself. Uh, We both really appreciate and enjoy just the opportunity to interact in person with those of you who listen to this show. I think through Falling Knife, you know, we we built a, a pretty cool little Wolves community. As I've been telling you all season, Falling Knife is not just hosting Wolf events when we're there doing live shows. They're showing every Wolves game in their tap room, on their projection screens all season long. And also, as it's January, the Falling Knife crew wanted me to mention that, you know, a lot of you are doing dry January. We know that's a thing. And Falling Knife, because of that, they have 10 non-alcoholic options on tap. So it's it's just not a place that you have to love beer to check out. They got seltzers, kombuchas as well. So, again, whether it's a live show, a game night, or just happy hour with friends, I really would suggest trying out Falling Knife here this winter. That's Falling Knife Brewing Company located off of Broadway Avenue in Northeast Minneapolis. Today's episode is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions, a Minneapolis-based technology consulting company that works with your business to help you build and sustain success. A great front office puts together a winning team with a coach who can put together a winning strategy. When leadership does its job and it all comes together, that means success. Success in business isn't any different. Business leaders need to find the right mix of technology, strategy, and talent to make things really work. And that's never been truer for growing companies. 20 by 20's team has helped grow companies from thousands of customers to tens of millions by helping businesses across a wide range of industries, from consumer technology and healthcare to manufacturing and even human spaceflight. Reach out to Clark and Ben, who are Wolves fans and fans of this show, by emailing them at team at 20by20solutions.com. That's T-E-A-M at 20x20solutions.com. And their team will review your needs and help you put together a plan before you need to make any commitments. 20 by 20 Solutions, technology, workflow, architecture, strategy. They're your sixth man on a winning team. All right, we are back with Chris Hine, uh, Wolves beat writer, who was, who was on the scene there in, in Houston, Last night, Chris, um, the result is a win, but the first half was, I think, was very deflating from some fans watching. The Wolves did fall down by 20 about midway through the second quarter. Obviously, they did cut that back to four by by halftime, but it really was in those first kind of 20 minutes of the game. It felt a lot like some of those lifeless performances from the beginning of the season. I, I was having like, San Antonio flashbacks from the beginning of the season, just getting beat up on the glass, sloppy turnovers. A lot of the things that have reared their head as issues the entire the entirety of the season were really kind of all there for a quarter and a half to to start the game. And I, I'm just curious what uh, what Finch's level of frustration was with that, or how he acknowledged that they kind of stopped doing that crap uh, once once the yeah. second half came around. The big thing for him was, uh, the quote that I had in my story today was, it was literally a matter of whenever we were going to sit down and start guarding people, <laughs> we'd get back in the game, no matter what the deficit was. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it was defense. You know, he, he wasn't, obviously they had a lot of turnovers, but he wasn't as concerned about the turnovers sure. as he was just flat out playing defense. Mm-hmm. And halfway through the second quarter, he goes to that lineup of Ant, Jaden, Kyle, yes. um, Rudy, and Torian. And Ant mentioned that that lineup is super helpful for him 
defending wise because all those guys can guard and everybody can switch. Yep. Um, and you know, you can throw Austin Rivers kind of in that mix as well. We saw that a couple games ago where that mm-hmm. lineup, those five guys closed the game. Um, so it really, that lineup just got down to it on the defensive end of the floor. And all of a sudden it's a 20 to four run and it's a four point game at halftime where it was a 20 point deficit five, six minutes earlier. So I love that lineup, man. It was just defending. Yeah. That, that just like kind of came onto our radar over the course of this past week, obviously with Prince coming back and, I remember uh, what what was the game that D'Lo didn't close? Why am I blanking on who that was against? Portland, uh, the Wednesday night game against Portland. Yeah, yeah. So and, and and I remember Anderson and Prince being in the game at that point, and I was like, oh, I wonder, you know, I wonder if they could bring Jaden in here and he could play the two. I think in that game they closed with Rivers. I, I asked Finch about it. I was like, can you play Jaden, Kyle, and Torian like? two of them at a time. He goes, I could play all three of them. And now they have played all three of them, kind of the two through four in these last two games. And this game was the, this was the most profitable. Like you said, I mean, that was the lineup, right? When they went from being down yeah. 20 midway through the the second quarter. And by halftime, we're only down four. I think it was like a 28 to something run to, yeah. to, to close that half. Like, I, I think... The, the unfortunate part of that is you lose a little bit of like that shot creation and shot making when Delo's not in that group. Obviously, this isn't like the starting lineup. This isn't a lineup that's going to play 15, 20 minutes a night. But when you do need to just kind of like slow the opponent down and be like, we're actually going to get a couple stops here over these next 10 possessions, that lineup really feels like a weapon. It is so big, you know, with Ant at the one, Jaden, I guess, is the two. Prince at the three, Kyle Anderson at the four, and Rudy Gobert at the five. I mean, we talked about how this team was supposed to be so big because of Cat and Rudy. Like that is a huge, huge lineup that you can run out there and switch and athletic enough to kind of be able. All those guys can kind of play different positions, maybe outside of outside of Rudy. But I think we got to put this lineup, start putting this lineup in our head. I don't know somebody's got to come up with like a nickname for this for this group because it does. It has the early signs of one of those lineups that, you know, we might be like, okay, look at the net rating in January plus here, here comes the super lineup now. You know, like, yeah, exactly. it's, it's halfway through the second quarter. Here they come. Yeah, you know, I have a feeling. Yeah, I think that might be a, a a thing for for this group here. And just, I like the idea. You know, do I like in general the idea of being going bigger in a small NBA broadly? Probably not, but if you're going to go big, like go big, right. And, and make that an advantage for you. That, that feels like one of the first times all season I've been like, wow, size is really beneficial to, to this team. That is part of their identities. It's felt like they've been trying to force that on teams as their identity. This seems like, this seems like a kind of natural way to do it because it's, it's not just big guys. It's like athletic flu positionally fluid like that that really does seem like a weapon did finch talk about do you say finch talked about that lineup or is that just edwards yeah we we talked about it a a little bit um i talked about with some of the guys last night too um he didn't really delve into too much detail about what that lineup did specifically um and just mentioned the switching thing being really helpful uh, on defense um you know another thing that finch brought up to um, was really, you know, along with the defense, it was just effort. And, mm-hmm. you know, he said, once we got the effort right, quote, I'm quoting him here, once we got the effort right, then to me, um, the whole first, the whole part of the first half was just finding five or six guys who were going to yeah. guard. And there were, there were your five guys that were going to guard. Um, he finally, he got around to it and the game changed uh, as a result of that. Woo! So listen to this, you know, it, it, it's, go ahead. That I only only sixty four possessions, so so not a lot. But when Anderson, McDaniel's, and Prince have shared the floor this season, they have a net rating of plus thirty four point eight, which is elite, obviously elite offense, one twenty eight offense, hundredth percentile, and elite defense, 
93 points uh, allowed per 100 possessions, also 100th percentile. So the smallest of sample sizes, but I hadn't even looked up those numbers. Like the numbers are backing up kind of what we're <laughs> what we're seeing yeah. uh, on, on the floor there as well. So I'm not surprised that the guys are like, hey, look at this. This is a good thing. This is a good thing. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if you throw Austin Rivers in there, what the numbers look like too. Um, I'm not sure on that, on that sample size either, but we do know that Finch – likes and the and the organization like to look at mm -hmm. two three man combinations sure. not just five man lineups when it comes to piecing things together so mm -hmm. yeah i would expect to see more of that for sure over over the next few weeks here at least until cat gets back um it, it, it just looked it's looked so good the last few times that they've gone to that that configuration chris let me grab uh one more break then we can uh we could do one more segment and uh, put you to bed for, for a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Chris, uh, the the last sort of thing I wanted to talk about, because as I was just kind of like, again, I wasn't at the, this game. I was watching from home and just kind of like sitting on Twitter after the game. And and it wasn't uh, it wasn't Jonathan Fagan, but it was a different um, it was a different maybe a columnist from the Houston Chronicle who went and talked to Austin Rivers. Uh, I don't know if that was maybe happening simultaneously while you were in the locker room. It seemed like you did a one-on-one -on -one with him. Yeah, I was, I was, I was talking to Rudy at that time. Okay, yeah. um, and mm -hmm. and you know, it's not even that this would be all that relevant for for you, but I, I like, I just, I, I read his story. What? Sorry, what was the the journalist's name? Do you remember? I'm not sure. I'm okay. not sure who it was. Yeah, it's, it wasn't someone I'd, I'd met yeah. before. But uh, anyways, he talked to Austin Rivers about. Um, just kind of like leadership and Austin had been in Houston uh, a few years back, sort of at the end of the Harden era, beginning of the sort of rebuild rockets thing. And, and what rivers uh, said was, he's like, you know, Jalen green and Kevin Porter jr. Like those guys need some vets around them. And I think like some of that was Austin being like a little passive aggressive because him and KPJ were kind of like going at it uh, during the game. But it is an interesting, like, philosophical thought process when you are a team that is really young knows you're going to kind of be tanking like how much how much do you really lean into that tanking by not putting veterans on your team right by by keeping your team super young so these young guys are getting opportunities but also in those opportunities it, it probably leads to losses and I found myself sitting there thinking about Ant and Jaden right that's kind of the Wolves Porter Jr. and uh and Jalen Green for this team and now the wolves are not the wolves were terrible the the first the, those guys rookie season but it is interesting to think about what the value of having had legitimate veterans around ant and Jaden has been this year because the first year right it's ricky rubio you got patrick beverly after that you've kind of had torian prince this whole time 
Kyle Anderson in the mix this year. I think Austin Rivers has proven to have a lot of veteran leadership value. So that's all a way of me just kind of bringing this up to you of like, what do you think that value has has been specifically for Ant and Jaden that the Wolves have actually prioritized? Well, obviously they've prioritized winning, but they've had these veterans around them. I don't know. I just found myself thinking about like, what if Ricky Rubio never would have been here? What if Patrick Beverly never would have been here? Right. Like, where are they? Like, what, what do you think about that? I think, I think there's a lot of merit to it because we've heard Finch talk about this too, not necessarily about specific teams, but he's, he's always been big on providing young guys with structure and veterans are part of that structure. You need to, you need to have a framework and discipline with when, within which they can operate. Yep. And if you don't have that, then young guys aren't really going to develop at the pace that you want them to. Yeah. And having veteran leadership, having teammates that hold them accountable and having professionals out there on the floor who have run NBA offenses and defensive schemes and know what it's like to, you know, carry themselves on a back to back and, you know, guys like Rubio and and Pat Bev and, and now, you know, Tori and Austin, Kyle Anderson, like, these guys are invaluable to that, just just that sort of presence. And and we, you know, we've talked with Ant. I, I talked with him a little bit about this last night, and we heard Austin Rivers the other night just praise Ant to the hills for his ability to be coached. Sure. And you know, I'm sure that that has that has carried from you know year one for Ant uh, until now with with some of the veterans that he's been around. Just. That's it's the standard. He doesn't know any other way in the NBA. He's always had to it, have yeah. a veteran. He's always had it around him. So that's how he's going to develop. He's always had a vet in his ear um, at all times being like, you need to do this, 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 you need to, to mind this, this, and this, mm-hmm. um, instead of just kind of being the guy and left to his own devices, which can be a dangerous thing for, for young players in the NBA. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where uh, my perception on the value of it has kind of changed since I got into media, you know, where kind of like, okay, veteran leadership, is that kind of a cliche? Like, what does this actually do? These veterans are often like kind of washed. Like, are we just really the value of having the veteran, like, you know, Trump just having a better, younger player or a more talented, younger player. And I think I would have fallen before I being in the locker room and actually seeing it. Like I would have thought that's an overrated thing, but like, I don't think people always the, know this. That, the blog like, boy perspective. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> that, day, that was me, man. Uh, yeah. But like Ant, by no coincidence in the locker room, his locker has been next to Ricky Rubio. It was, he was Patrick Beverly was seated next to him. Austin Rivers now is is seated next to him in there. There is like I, I teams around the league for sure believe in the value of this and just having that like that voice in your ear if you're 21 of a 31 year old next to you rather than another 21 year old. I think I think it does make a difference in focus and and perspective. I think the Wolves have actually had some really kind of like special ones i think we know that about rubio i think we know that about pat bev and we're learning that about uh austin rivers and and kyle anderson new additions this year but i'm just saying from my perspective i really recognize the value on that just from the limited additional perspective that we get from from being in the locker being at some of the practices around that's around this team i i think it's I think it's part of the reason why Ant was like able to kind of flip the switch right now over this past month or so that Cat's been out because people made it clear to him that that's what they need, right? That's what Ant's been saying. They've been saying like uh, Kyle's been telling me like you got to take over in the fourth. TP's like putting the ball in my hand. Austin is telling me like didn't Austin tell him to play in the game last night? Like yep. I just I, I'm just that's all my very long winded way of saying I personally really believe this stuff does matter and i see it every time i am in that in that locker room 100 yeah i'll read you some uh some of the quotes here that i got for, this is from kyle anderson last night okay. um, just asking him about ant being coachable and and approachable 
from teammates. And he's like, he's a great kid. He wants to learn, wants to get better, going to take everything for what you say and apply it or do what he wants with it. But he's never going to give you a bad attitude or not want to hear what you got to say and never too full of himself. He wants to learn. That's wild. Like, yeah. And and that's not, not, not that one quote is wild. It's wild. We've heard that from Rudy, from Kyle, from Austin, all within the last week. What I think is wild is that the number one overall pick who is on his way to signing like a $200 million extension here this summer is really still cool and open with the idea that he's the person who needs to learn that that is not always the case. And that's a, I think that's a credit to that's a credit to Ant, but it's also a credit to kind of, he he's different, right? He's not, He's not exactly like your other young upcoming superstar. And and a lot of that is Ant's way up into this, like into becoming a star from the time he was 16 to now he's 21. That is for him. His experience has been so night and day different than LaMelo Ball, right? For example, same draft yeah. class, same yeah. age. And, you know, LaMelo went totally the opposite side of the spectrum with that and being so publicly seen and going all over the world and this and that, but th- it's almost more rare where Ant is than where LaMelo is because normally when you are going to be a superstar in the league, very, very rich player, like people are onto you earlier, like literally when you're like <laughs> 14, you know, and, and I think it's just one of the most interesting things about Ant that he's kind of just like unfettered, like, through the the whole upbringing and he like magically like jumps from being a sophomore to a senior in high school and then he just stays in Georgia and he's like under the veil of Tom Crean and home and then all of a sudden boom he's the the number one overall pick but gets shoved away into Minnesota like in the middle of COVID like it's rare that a future superstar would be exactly what Ant is right now at at 21 years old. And, and sometimes I just think it's yep. worth us acknowledging that, right. Or remembering that this is different. The way Ant has grown up in, in the league as a professional is very different than other players of, of similar caliber. We see that in, in negative ways as well in immaturities, but um, it's just, I don't know. I just think it's worth, it's worth acknowledging. It is. The other thing I'll add to that too is, you mentioned like his, his upbringing and kind of what he was doing is when he was younger. I mean, basketball was, you know, you talk to him and, and his family, basketball was never his plan or not, not in the, not in the cards for the first 13, 14 years of his life. Football it was boy. All football. It was all football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then he gets, he gets hurt in his freshman year of, of high school. Um, freshman or sophomore year, I can't, I f- can't forget which he said. Freshman. Yeah, um, yeah, and he's like, I'm not done with this. I don't, I don't want to get hit anymore. I'm just going to play <laughs> basketball now. And then, like sophomore year is when, like, oh, wow, he's got something here. Mm-hmm. And you know, he just, you know, kind of almost maniacally worked at it for, for the rest of his high school days and now on into his NBA career. Um, so yeah, he's, he's, he's. I, I, Torian Prince, did, I asked him about it last night, and he he didn't want to use the word rare um, to to say it. it. He's like, I don't think it's rare, quote, but I think it's one of his biggest attributes that his ability to be coachable, um, his ability to be coachable, and taking what other people are trying to get him to see from their point of view. Mm-hmm. So he's able to kind of put himself in his teammates' shoes, yeah. and and which I think is something that maybe is rare for somebody who's 21 year old. Uh, I if, think so. That's what Torian is saying. Um, so a hundred percent. And you see it too. He's just a likable guy. Teammates gravitate towards him. Everybody seems to like him mm-hmm. um, in the locker room. Um, he's a source of energy, a source of positivity. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, it's just, it's, uh, you want, you wonder you know if the wolves take a different draft pick what is the trajectory of the franchise but <laughs> yeah. it's uh, <laughs> um, a crazy it's, question you know, <laughs> they, 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 they seem to I, I don't even know what was was any of this brought up in the draft i didn't really follow it too closely but like when when it, when it comes to like the whispers about a guy's personality or things like that do you remember any stuff being brought up about and I, I remember we had the the whole 
uh, does he really love basketball controversy yeah. with him? Well, th- there was um, that for sure, but there was also the yeah. like, even once you moved off of the like weird football corner, there was also this mm-hmm. like idea that I remember like one of his main comps was Dion Waiters, which was like, right. you know, big, strong, athletic kind of six four guard, but sort of a chucker, right? And mm-hmm. and I think what the implication there was was that like you didn't know if he was going to be coachable, that he might just like come in and play the game he's always played. And I think what they're going off of was, you know, he his only real like under the limelight season prior to the pros was that one year at Georgia, one COVID year at Georgia, and that team stunk. And it kind of like in the greater landscape of the NCAA, it stunk. And so Ant was kind of thrown into this role it's actually a role that we we know when Ant's been healthy in previous seasons when five, six guys have been out. And it's kind of was the same thing. It's like, okay, Ant is shooting 22 shots this game and he made eight of them. You know, that's that's what so much of yep. Ant's life game log prior to the NBA looked like. And, and I think, at, to your point, I think that has proven to be a little misguided. Now, is Ant still a volume shooter like Deion Waiters? Yes, but I think if we're watching Ant and we've checked his development along the course of the way, like that he does not fit the narrative of like, I'm just going to do my thing no matter what. Like, yes, he isolates maybe a little bit too much and and all that sort of stuff, but they also kind of need him to isolate a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, it. I, I do think that has proven any sort of like notion that Ant was going to be at all difficult to work with from a coach's perspective, from a front office perspective, from his teammates perspective. If anybody had that in their draft profiles, that has proven to be extremely inaccurate. And honestly, I, I, as you've been saying, I think, I think the exact opposite has, has proven to be true. He, he's maybe one of the most coachable players I've ever covered. And, and his openness of just like, Hey, yeah, I don't really know what to do when I get doubled in pick and roll. So I just look at Finch and he kind of tells me like that, that that's been <laughs> honestly like his answer to anything he's, he's grown through. He is an extremely willing to ask person. And, um, as at 21 years old, that's, uh, just a, a super, super valuable skill. Yeah, and the, the quote that he had last night, the, the one that got the most traction on my Twitter feed uh, last night when I tweeted it out there, uh, I try to be, uh, yeah, here it is. I try to be the most coachable player on the team just to show everybody else, even uh-huh. with Finchie. He, he cussed me out every day. <laughs> and I know it's all love just to show the guys he can do it to them too. Um, and you can just picture Ant totally. saying that. And, and his, yeah, uh-huh. it's... Uh, that's that that is Ant, and um you know if, if there's one thing that this catalyst time mm. has shown and, and proven it's that you know going forward on the offensive end of the floor this feels like it needs yeah. to be built around ant and and carl needs to come along for the ride yeah. and and not be and not be the driver um when, when it comes back We'll see how it all fits together right. in a few weeks, and but I think that is where this team is is headed for the next several years. You got anything on his hip? Like he, I, we all kind of he was actually saying in the locker room after the last home game that he thought he might not be able to play against Houston. Obviously, he did play. Did you get any other extra perspective on that? Um, no, he didn't really say too much about that. I, I asked him how he felt. He said, uh, "I had fun." man i didn't play my best game definitely could have gave a lot more but i got he's like i got done shooting with austin and uh he's like you got to play tonight or something like that you know the whole austin you know thing um i gave them what i can and we had fun got the win that's all that matters he didn't really say much about it yeah and and i think it's this is like i will will say i i was i i was doubting he was gonna play when i saw him Mm -hmm. walk in um finch got done with his availability at at, uh 4 30 local time around Mm-hmm. right around 4 40 local time and ant was just getting into the arena hmm. at that moment in time which is kind of unusual yeah that, you know a, a player strolls in kind of that late usually they're there at least two hours or more before the game sure but ant kind of kind of came in late 
and was in, you know, uh, it was not in uniform. And so I thought in my head, like, oh, he's, he's not playing tonight. And then sure enough, he, <laughs> he got suited up. He got out there. And I, you know, I don't know if it was peer pressure or pressure from coaches or whoever, but, uh, or just his own internal pressure, right. but he got ready and he got ready and he played. And, you know, there's, there's something to that too. I think I, I was saying to Kyle, when we were recorded on Saturday, uh, after the Friday mm-hmm. game that like, Ant made it sound like he wasn't going to play. And I'm like, I'm now at the point with Ant with like all injuries that it's like very, in a good way, like boy who cried wolf. I'm like, if Ant, <laughs> you know, like if Ant goes down and he's on the floor and he's like writhing in pain, you're like, well, pretty sure he's going to get back into the game because like most of the <laughs> Bro, time. How, how, many times, how many times did we see that last year totally. where it was like he, he, he. He hobbled off the floor or had to be helped back to like, the locker room. Carried off the minutes, floor. Yeah. And then five minutes later, he's back in the game. Like uh, that's that's happened a few times. Yeah. yeah. So I I don't know. I mean, when you're when you're 21 and you fall from 10 feet in the air on your butt, I think you just bounce back up differently than when you're when you're when you're 31. And you know, I mean, I credit mm-hmm. to him. Like we've been able to, in all seriousness, like we've been we've seen him in every one of these games been favoring that hip. Like it is definitely. Yeah a real thing, you know, where he's just, I, whether it's a, a bruise or a hip pointer or whatever it might be like that has been bothering him. And as this team, you know, right. And I guess that's kind of like the whole winning streak. Like he's been playing through whatever this is through the entirety of the, of the winning streak. And they've needed that. Right. I mean, with cat out with other guys out, like they do. And you felt that last night too. I think it was like the second quarter where he kind of came alive. Like, Right now, this team is kind of low on offensive ammunition. And even with Ant, like, I think it was like 6 of 19 last night. But you kind of just needed somebody who could take 19 shots, right? And and he has really yep. provided value in that even when he, uh, you know, even when he hasn't been 100%. Uh, Chris, let's just wrap it up by by quickly looking at the standings. I know we, we mentioned it before, but... Uh, We've been saying for like a couple of weeks now, maybe a couple of months, that the, the West is so condensed. Uh, the Wolves had been like on the outside of that progression, or I don't know, like looking into it. And now they they yeah. find themselves tied in the eighth seed with Phoenix after you know entering yesterday, tied in the 11-12 with the Lakers. You can pretty easily look for ahead where um, the Wolves are 20 and 21 and the Kings. Also, only have 20 wins. They're 20 and 18. They're the five seed. So it's like you can really start getting eyeballs for up in the standings. But I would also point out that, yes, you're only a couple games out of the five seed. And you're also only literally one game out of the 12 seed where the Jazz are or one and a half games out of the 13 seed where Oklahoma City is. So it is condensed, meaning you can go up when you have a four-game winning streak, yep. but you can go right back down as well too. The Lakers and the Jazz, like teams like that, they're not they're not falling off, or they're certainly not falling off. I think until like the trade deadline, that sort of thing. So the Wolves are in the midst of an opportunity here, right? But it's going to be an every night sort of thing where they're jumping up or down a, a, a couple spots in these standings, depending on on result. You just gotta show up every night. Like they, they, they lost their margin of error with that slow start to the season. They, yep. they, they used it all up. Mm-hmm. So you know, from here on out, your foot has to be on the gas pedal. There's, you just don't have the room in, in this crowded Western Conference to, to have a another lull like they did over mm-hmm. a six game losing streak or five, you know, whatever they whatever they've had in the past here. They just, you can't afford it can't afford it right now and you still have to get carl back and when he comes back i i you know it's it's not as if it was a seamless operation when he was on the floor yeah. with this team um so there's going to be an adjustment period when he eventually makes his way back mm. into the rotation um and what is that going to look like so you want to at least build up a little a little cushion, a little goodwill in the standings for when he comes back and tries to get reintegrated back mm-hmm. into everything that's going on. They got to keep their foot on the gas pedal like Chris Hine <laughs> moving around the country. <laughs> Listen, I don't stop. You know, we, we, we power through. 
no, no sleep doesn't matter overrated power through <laughs> right actually uh, sleep is very properly rated i love sleep <laughs> it sounds it sounds sounds so good to me right now i'm not gonna lie <laughs> well we will uh we will let you go get some sleep right now chris uh thank you uh thank you for for doing this you guys can all uh follow chris on twitter at christopher hine again um you know if you are looking for post game commentary from this team uh when they are on the road you know I, i'm going to some of the road games certainly not as many uh as as chris is but i don't know this team is making a push like you're going to want to follow this team more day to day chris is there follow him on twitter subscribe at startribune.com you know read his gamers that's where that's where these that's where these quotes come from uh or where the quotes for chris show up after the game uh, this is actually for the first time you know i mean last season too but this is a team i think that is worth monitoring day to day chris is obviously uh all over this team day to day as as the beat writer so support the star tribune and i mean i'm just telling you that's the way that's the place you can now get your information is uh is from chris so chris thank you for doing it thank you dave appreciate it all right, again, he's uh, Christopher Hine at Christopher Hine on Twitter. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA until uh, Wednesday morning with Jace Frederick. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.